Hello everyone and welcome to Intercast. Today we are going to approach one of the critical essays that Mrs. Gogalp gave us during the Christmas break. This is the essay Mary Ann Corrigan wrote about illusions and reality in a streetcar named Desire. So we had to read some critical articles to complete our understanding of the play and have a different perspective on some of the key elements. So one thing I'd like to start with is Blanche's ambiguity. We know that she's a complex character who constantly rejects realism and escapes it by creating fantasies. But she's able to distinguish fantasy from reality, so it reinforces the idea that she creates voluntary illusions. And as pointed out in Alia Kazan's movie adaptation, not only does she create a world of illusion, but she also shows illusions of herself to other people. And depending on who she is with, she's either going to show her real self, refined self, or cultured self. So reality appears as the great danger to Blanche. It is to her what light is to a moth. Um, and I took this comparison in purpose because this is the very comparison that's used to refer to Blanche in the stage direction of scene one. Um, the first time we see her, she seems to be afraid of light. Light here representing reality. I won't tackle it too much because you might hear more about it in an upcoming podcast. And from the very beginning, when she arrives to New Orleans, um, the city reminds Blanche of the violent reality she tries to escape. So as said by Marion Corrigan, quote, The New Orleans street figures are analogues of all that reality means to Blanche. Violence, theft, immorality, and bestiality. Um, here the four elements referring to different characters and moments of the play. I would say, by the way, that scene 10 is a great example of that. At one point, Blanche is trying to reach the phone, um, the phone that she sees as her only way out because she does not feel safe being alone with Stanley uh, while Stella is at the hospital because she's pregnant. No one answers the phone and she knows that she's going to have to face reality and become part of this violent world. So in this scene, she's also confronted with the illusions she did not create. Her fears are taking human shapes. She sees their shadows reflecting on the wall. I won't spoil the end of the scene for those of you who haven't read the play yet. But Stanley, with a very violent act, forces Blanche to face the harsh reality she tries to avoid. Stanley is like this anchor who brings Blanche back to the real world um, by constantly dragging her out of the imaginary ones she created to feel safer. By the way, um, Blanche escaping reality led to very interesting symbol in the play. Um, the phone in the Kowalski's apartment can be seen as Blanche's dependence on others. For example, you can read scene four when she calls Shaw, the Texas millionaire, who she considers as her only way out of her miserable life. Blanche, by playing with illusions, only accelerates her downfall, and there is one quote that sums it up, Blanche's involuntary journey to the depth of sordidness. The illusions that she thought would be helpful to allow her to forget about her past life or keep her secrets hidden, such as the loss of Barev or her past as a prostitute back in Laurel, are in fact not helpful at all. They're the exact opposite, but Blanche is unconscious of that. 
So now we're going to move on to a second part, which is also approached in Mary Ann Corrigan's essay, which is how Stanley is also part of illusions and reality in a streetcar named Zaya. Indeed, we can say that Stanley is kind of Blanche's paradox because as we saw previously, Blanche really rejects what she calls brutal desire, but on the opposite, Stanley really accepts his need for sex and for sexual tensions as he has with Blanche. But it is kind of contradictory because we can see and we know that he has a harsh time expressing love, for example, for his wife or even for the other members of his circle, like his friends and stuff. He pretends to have a rough exterior and shows kind of an animal reality, which Blanche is really talking about all along the the place. She is actually calling him ape-like and she is really seeing that rejection of moral appearance that Blanche really um, wants and is kind of trying to portray. So we can obviously say that uh, Stanley is not at all trying to be part of some kind of gentility. And opposedly to that, he is really enjoying showing that kind of animal reality of human and especially men at that time. Now we are going to move on to Stanley and Blanche's relationship and how it can be seen as a representation of the theme. The author of the critical essay affirms that the conflict that we can see all along the play between Stanley and Blanche is kind of a metaphor for Blanche's reality versus illusions. In fact, every time Blanche is faced with reality, it is always when Stanley tries to uh, unveil something about her life and her previous life that she is trying to hide to her sister Stella. And on the other hand, Blanche is kind of making up her own illusions and trying to, well, figure out a way to live in a world that will fit her much better, even if it's not true. This is why in the play, desire can be really seen as Stanley's strength and Blanche's weakness because Stanley is using it all along to try and show to everyone how Blanche really is, even if it, her initial goal is to hide that truth. And in scene 11, Blanche's rape is really a representation of Stanley stripping away the illusions and forcing her to face reality. In many ways, Stanley is destroying Blanche with sex, which is the thing she has always been trying to avoid, because even if she has had sexual tension with uh, the newspaper boy, I think uh, it was what he was, and uh, even with Stanley, she has never admitted her will and her, well, really strong will for brutal desire. This is why here we can use Benjamin Nelson's affirmation on sex when he says that in a streetcar named Desire, it has always been her, so Blanche's Achilles heel, and it has always been Stanley's sword and shield. And at last, we can move on to the last part, which is the effect it has on the audience. We have been told many times that it is important when you study a play to analyze why it is a play and how it makes uh, the audience feel. Uh, instead of just analyzing the text in itself. So that's what we're going to do. So in many ways, as much as Tennessee Williams makes Stanley a monster, uh, Mary Ann Corrigan, who writes the essay, says that indeed the audience identifies with that character because even if hopefully no one in the audience is exactly like Stanley Kowalski, it is really possible that some people in the audience admired his uh, acceptance for brutal desires. 
And when Stanley forces Blanche to face the harsh reality, he also does so with the audience and he teaches them that what they admire, which is kind of Blanche's persona and the way she is part of the gentility, it is only to quote the author of the essay, a base egoistical force and to have kind of a healthy mind, ambiguity is required and everything is not Manichaean. Tennessee Williams throughout the play is also playing on how the audience uh, will perceive both Blanche and Stanley because he progressively shows uh, Stanley's horrible attitude and in the end of the of the play he kind of excuses Blanche's artificiality and show that it is mostly due to uh, mental illnesses and uh, well illusions and trying to make up her own world. This is why, in the end, we can say that the ambiguity of the characters makes them more realistic and the use of theatrical device to portray Blanche's retreat to insanity is really interesting because it helps the audience uh, analyse her distorted vision of reality uh, by using something else in dialogue and really see it in front of their eyes. To conclude, we can use a quote that says that Blanche is both a representative and a victim of a tradition that taught her that attractiveness, virtue and gentility led automatically to happiness. Because this belief leads her to try to maintain a series of illusions to make the world what she wants it to be and not accept what it really is. So this is what we had to say about Mary Ann Corrigan's essay on illusions and reality in A Streetcar Named Desire. We will probably analyze other essays in the following weeks, uh, but we will update you on that on Instagram at the Intercast if you want to go follow us. Goodbye!